0: All right, well, welcome to the Elite Team Athletics Podcast. I got my guys Tevin and Q here, myself, Kyle Coglatori, and a special guest, Anthony Tucker. What's up, Tuck? What's up, Tuck? For me. Thanks for having us. I mean, thanks for coming out. Right. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're—it's a blessing to be in your presence, man. We just want to talk about, uh, you know, the hoop life, what you're living right now. I mean, you want to start with? I mean, you just—you just came back because of the coronavirus to get away from all that. I
1: kind of want to dive into yeah, that to start to clarify, off. Just clarify,
2: not
0: with the coronavirus.
2: Yeah, hey, we don't know that, man. We don't know
1: that. We hope he does it. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah. Just want to make sure everyone knows I don't have. The <laughs> <got> <laughs> That was my biggest fear in coming back was I didn't want to be the guy that they're writing about in like the Wall Street Journal like this guy came back. He's been in China, uh, Vietnam, Malaysia, Taiwan, jumped on a plane, came back to the U.S. with the virus. Now everyone has it. Um, but <laughs> just, just need to clarify that. I don't have it.
0: Let's break down, kind of let everybody know what's going on. You play out in uh,
1: Asia and every league but your league got canceled. Right. Um, yeah, so I'm in Taiwan. Um, And our league is a regional league. So we play, there's 10 teams in the league. I think nine countries are represented, eight or nine countries. Um, So we travel, we do the most travel um, of any league, maybe in the world, I would have to fact check that. But, um, and we are, they've canceled every league, uh, the CBA, the Japan league, the South Korea league, all the major leagues in Asia. um, And we are the only league that is currently not canceled. Um, but postponed significantly, it's postponed until further notice. Um, so trying to sort through that, trying to figure out how that makes any sense, but you know, they don't pay me enough to figure that stuff out.
0: And we were kind of talking off camera about how you were more scared as what happens if we end up going to like Singapore or something or, or Cambodia or something or a place with no travel restrictions. And you did get it, you'd be stuck there cause you wouldn't be able to go back to Taiwan right. and you just thought what's, or, or elaborate on that for
1: us. Uh, I mean, like you said, just being, being a little bit afraid of not necessarily getting the virus, but more the ramifications of what happens. You know, if you do get it, um, let's say we do, you know, we're in Indonesia, Cambodia, one of these third world countries, and you, you do contract the virus, you can't go back to Taiwan. Uh, obviously, you get quarantined or hospitalized in a third world country, which is scary in and of itself, but then you can't go back to Taiwan, which is my, you know, my pseudo home, for the season obviously can't come back to the United States so what happens to us um, and nobody could answer that question which was it was frustrating so it was like peace I'm
2: out I'm good they didn't have like a they didn't have like a team meeting that was like all right guys here's the plan of what is going on and if you get it we're going to do xyz it was
1: just like hey you're on your own no they we we had plenty of team meetings and I brought it up every single time and the answer was always like we're doing everything to, you know, kind of ensure that the players are safe and taken care of. I said, that's not answering the question. There's nothing in place for if, if something like that were to happen, which at this point, if they do continue the season, it's inevitable. Someone's going to yeah. get it. Oh,
0: for sure. So, and so were you the first American to bolt or did all the Americans
1: bolt or how did that play out? I was the first one to leave uh, me and my teammate, Ryan Watkins, who I played with last year in Macau, um, we're now on the same team again we were both like he has a wife out there with him and we were both like you know this doesn't make any sense this isn't safe he was in the meetings as well obviously and with them not being able to answer these questions it's like you know what are we doing yeah. and so we just me and him together we like all right we're out of here we had a meeting with uh, with our other americans and uh, our coach and everyone agreed to leave but me and ryan were the only two that actually did it <laughs> Um, so we left and then the others followed suit shortly after because they saw that like, oh, it's okay if they leave, you
0: know? So then what do they, what do they have you guys doing
1: over there since it was postponed anyways? Since the, so we haven't played since February 2nd and, um, we were practicing twice a day, like treating it like we had games coming up, you know, the following weekend and did that for three weeks. Um, we thought we were going to play March 1st in Singapore. Like that was kind of Once all the games got postponed and canceled, um, we were like, you know, that March 1st game in Singapore is something we're actually playing, blah, blah, blah. So we were getting ready for that. It comes to be like the Wednesday before the weekend, and they're like, oh, by the way, we're not going to Singapore. And so we were kind of like, all right, so what? Like, where are we going? And there's travel restrictions everywhere. Like, people can't, Chinese people, Taiwanese people can't go to Philippines, can't go to Malaysia, can't go to Thailand. So we're like looking at our schedule and we're like, we're, if we're not going to Singapore, which is a place that we could go, where are we going? We can't play home games and we can't travel. So what are we doing? And that's when it kind of all like came together. We're like, Click. There's no games. So, so then you booked your first ticket out. I was out the next day. I was packing. <laughs> I was packing after the practice. The next day. The next day I, I was it. gone. Did you leave stuff out there? No, I took all my stuff
0: okay okay I didn't know I mean Us was just on here the other day Marcus Alapate, and he was sitting there talking about how he had to figure out how to get rid of his TV and his clothes and he was just giving it all away
1: I took all my stuff I I mean I was like I'm not coming back Uh, in my mind I was like I'm not coming back I told them like if there's a solution that that makes sense and stuff because it's postponed right now Yeah. like yeah if you postpone it for two months make sure everything's good whatever I'll come back and finish the season yeah. but I'm taking my stuff home because I'm not coming back to get it yeah right. <laughs> like, hey, <so. laughs> how does that work
2: with your contract then that you have out there Are you like still getting paid even though there's so no games being played and you're
1: practicing my contract is was up at the end of March our oh, okay. our season typically runs through March and then uh the playoffs are in April so they always like prorate April yeah um so they don't want to overpay you heaven forbid they pay you for an extra week but right. <laughs> um i'm actually signing an extension for next year so we're figuring that out where that's it's just going to run like congruent with that so it'll okay. pick up in like april so i'll end up getting paid the whole way through but it doesn't work like that for everyone no nice yeah
0: do you think things with the checks will be delayed because of this because technically you haven't played games Do you think it's just like hey where's my money i signed up for this i didn't know this was going to happen that's not me. It's payday today, so we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. we'll, see if that yeah. hits. we'll find out today. <laughs> All right, bet. Well, let's talk about uh, kind of the upbringing. You know, you're not even from Minnetonka, but you went to high school there. You're originally from Burnsville, right? Right. So, what got you even to go to Minnetonka? Like, tell us that story. Um.
1: Well. I don't know it's it's a longer story than than what i even we got time man I'm trying to think of where to even start but uh, <laughs> you just not like terrell clark what, what's going on no so actually i i'm from burnsville lived in burnsville but i was in the apple valley school district so okay. i went to apple valley schools growing up um and then i wanted to go to eastview with uh ut udo yeah um, I like that, UT. Was, that was kind of the plan and um the parents at Eastview, wouldn't let me play traveling because I didn't live in the district. So they, or they wouldn't let me play on the A team. They're like, "Oh, he can play on the B team, but he can't like take someone's spot on the A team because he doesn't live in in the district." Whatever. So trash. Wow. Yeah. So eighth grade, I ended up playing for a Minneapolis city team, um, the Minneapolis Kings, and after that, I was just kind of like, you know, I was kind of turned off to the whole Eastview thing, like you know, the parents and the, the kids, and I just you know, growing up in like Apple Valley, Burnsville area, like it's not like an elitist no. place, you know? So to have parents and kids kind of like have that mentality of like, no, like my kid deserves a play, blah, blah, blah. Like we weren't raised like that. It was kind of like, if, you know, if you're good. Yeah. You're right, you deserve it. So that kind of turned me off to going to Eastview, but uh, the Apple Valley team, my age was beyond bad. So <laughs> like those dudes were so bad. <laughs> Like, I don't think any of them hooped in college, like, even NAIA, Division Three, JUCO. Like, nobody had aspirations to continue playing. I was just like, that, that's not what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um. So, I just started looking. Like, we looked at Hopkins, we looked at Jefferson, we looked at Minnetonka. And my AAU teammates, uh, Andy Burns and CJ Erickson, yep. CJ was from Minnetonka. Andy was from, like, yZ area, went to Benil, and he had decided he was going to Minnetonka. So... It was just one of those things where I was like, cool, I'll go too. So I went out there and toured the school um, and met with the coach and stuff the night before school started. (laughs) So I was really the new kid on the first day of school. Like, I didn't know where I was going. Obviously, Minnetonka is a very different place. We're talking about, like, elitist stuff. I was not prepared for, you know, to be the the poor kid from from the Apple Valley, Burnsville area, going to Minnetonka with all these kids. Like, it was – first day of school was different for me. Didn't you also live with the coach out there a lot of the time too, for just travel sake? Um, So my, I lived with Chris Carr, my uh, forty-three hoops. Yep. Yep. So I lived with Chris. um, My sophomore and part of my junior year, Uh, he lived in. He lived right behind like the crosstown Lifetime. Okay. So it was like a five-minute drive to school. So that made it a lot easier. Um, It was actually probably one of the better things I did. For my basketball career just being around him um you know obviously he had me working out after school every day and kind of taught me how to take care of my body all that stuff so that was important and then my senior year i lived with um with our assistant coach he was actually house sitting on the lake for the entire Damn. year for so signing up for girl. that right. yeah for a family <laughs> friend so i lived with him and his wife uh they were like newly married and they were like 26. And I was 18, so it was kind of, kind of a weird relationship where it was like, he didn't tell me no, but you could tell like there was some stuff where he's like, nah, we, like you can't do that. But right. he didn't really, he wasn't ever like no, but he'd just be mm-hmm. like, you know. So that was that was tough because I didn't want to, I didn't want to like, overstep like, boundaries, yeah, but yeah, you still want to be a kid, right? So that was that was weird. I was kind of like parenting myself and trying to be like, no, I can't do that, but I kind of want to do that, but. Um, <laughs> you know so that was it was fun it was a fun year um i had like a whole separate wing of the house was mine and stuff so that's dope yeah it was it was fun but it's also different when you're not living
0: like yeah, you're kind of like already doing pre-college stuff right before right was that weird going back to school and people knowing like hey this man's pretty much living by himself
1: um i don't know like i don't think people really knew okay or, like, people just didn't really care. And also, like I'm saying in Minnetonka, like, those kids raised themselves. Like, their parents are gone for work. Like, you got kids that are literally like, oh, you yeah, I haven't seen my parents in, like, three weeks. Like, where are they? Like, oh, they're in the Bahamas or something. Like, they, you know, crazy. it's just like, it's, it was like that. Like, everyone just kind of was on their own. Like, some people had, like, like nannies that were essentially, like, watching them. Yeah, like, their parents.
0: So, so was it, I mean, the culture <laughs> shock had to be crazy, but you brought UT with you.
1: Uh, UT ended up transferring out there junior year. Okay. Um, and then senior year, we had Cedric McBounds transferred from North Minneapolis out there. So that was that was fun. He turned the school upside down. <laughs> um, <laughs> they weren't... Minnetonka was not ready for said, uh, But, yeah, it was cool once, like, when UT came and stuff. But, I mean, I was already... I'd already been there for two years. Like, it already felt normal Established to and- me. Um, but, yeah, it was... It was senior year was really fun I mean we had i think of our nine guys on our a u team six of them were going to Minnetonka, so it was like <laughs> it was it was fun it was a lot of fun was the uh being away from your family
0: pretty tough during all that you know adolescent years or were you kind of like actually kind of dig this or
1: uh? uh it was really tough. My mom wasn't doing great um like financially uh we weren't doing well so it was tough because it was like i kind of felt guilty sometimes because i was like you know i'm living with a former nba player um you know he's kind of taking me in to his mm-hmm. family and stuff so it's that weird feeling like you see tv shows like that where like guys move to like right the almost rich like some blind side yeah, thing. yeah and then you're like you know you still got i had my mom and my sister still living you know back in burnsville and stuff so that was that was a little bit tough but i saw her all the time she came to all my games obviously um i would go home like you know, every couple nights and just hang out or whatever it was 20 minutes away so okay. um yeah i mean it was it was tough like you just you feel guilty but you also like i was still a kid so like i still mm-hmm. miss my mom and stuff and um you know i'd still call her every day and stuff like that so it was it was different for sure
0: yeah yeah you know getting back to hoops what was that like because you guys got a state championship Mm -hmm. I mean and you were the vocal point of the team Mm -hmm. and not many kids at that age have a pure shot like you have I mean back to high school you've been a career 40 percent three-point shooter your whole life Mm -hmm. that's crazy that's not normal yeah how do you even like what got you to that point how you, Have you just always had that natural ability? would Chris Carr really help you out or how how did it all go down? Because I know you were giving buckets to Drew Holiday. You played against a lot of guys who are in the league right now um I was
1: just one of those kids that I just loved playing like I was always in the gym um, if there was a basketball hoop outside of someone's house and like there's a bunch of people over, I would just go outside and just play basketball like. I was just always that guy, and I know everyone always says that, like, oh, I always had a ball in my hand and stuff, but I really did, and people are always asking me, like, you know, how'd you, who taught you how to shoot and all that stuff? I'm like, well, I mean, like, my mom taught me how to shoot, like, showed me how to do it, but I just did it so much that it just became natural to me. So your mom's got a jump shot then. No, my mom can't shoot a gun. (laughs) (laughs) She showed me how to do it, like, she was like, this is, this is what it's supposed to look like. She can't do it she no, <laughs> whatever she showed
0: you that first time worked. i mean you're yeah. the, i tell people this all the time people think i'm crazy and i say the best jump shot i've seen in person has been yours and i i I still say that to people i've been saying that god since we met in 08 yeah it's been that long yeah. so it's it's crazy for me to watch you you know do this for so long
1: and it hasn't changed man the shot's the same yeah i mean it's it's like i said it's just something i do a lot like i even in the off season right now, like I I do it all the time. Like some guys come home as pros or whatever and they like I'm not touching a basketball for a month. I'll work out the next day. And I'm not saying that I have like the craziest work ethic. I'm not trying to, you know, not gonna tell Kobe stories where I'm waking people up at three in the morning to go rebound for me and stuff. I'm not it's not that. I'm just like I just love playing. So like I'm always like you used to see me all the time, like in Lakeville at lifetime. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just in there shooting, like by myself. Or, you know, like with someone or whatever, but it's just something I enjoy doing. So it's, it's helped me to be able to do it like consistently for a long time because I just always do it. Like I'm always putting the work in. How many shots do you think you're getting up in a day? And it's probably makes, right? Yeah, I always count makes. Um, I'm not like, again I'm not going to tell you crazy stories of you know, I make a thousand shots a day. Like that's cause <laughs> that's like you, everybody's go-to number. <laughs> Man, a thousand that, makes. I only <laughs> need the gym till I get a thousand. Yeah, like if you if you really work out a lot and stuff, and like a thousand makes will take you like two three hours. Yeah, so, but yeah. don't let them sell you short because I remember seeing
0: like workouts like a normal person go to all five spots for threes or something. Right, right. you shoot twenty five. You will see how many you make in each spot. This dude will hit twenty-five out of twenty-five, or twenty-three out of 25, 25 out of twenty-five, all the way around. Right, and I'm just like, f him, but f it's, him you know,
1: every like, time. It's a repetition. Everyone, <laughs> everyone says that though. Everyone will be like, oh, you know, I get I get up a thousand shots a day, or I get up five hundred shots a day. Well, you don't have to if you make them all every time. <laughs> right. I'm just saying, like, it take, that takes a long time, and nobody's gonna do that. Like, right. and I'll try to get maybe like two hundred shots up a day, or two hundred makes. Um, which that still takes, you know, you got to find someone that's going to rebound for you, too. That's the other mm-hmm. thing. When people say that, like, people are like, oh, I shoot a thousand shots a day. I'm like, who's rebounding? And I know you're not <laughs> shooting on the gun because the gun, after about, after about 200 shots on the gun, you got balls flying everywhere that you had to go chase. Yep. The pass, or like the, like the arm, or whatever they call mm-hmm. it, that passes, starts throwing you fluky passes where like the ball's not getting to you. And oh, stuff. and yeah, yeah I'm yep. like, you're not shooting a thousand shots a day on the gun. So who's rebounding? Like, I need to know that.
2: <laughs> <I> don't know. <laughs> Right. <laughs>
1: I gotta know. Bring it back to the high school stuff, though. Getting that shit. What was that like? That was crazy. Uh, it was crazy because we felt like we should have won it the year before. We beat Hopkins in the section semifinals, who was undefeated. They were ranked in the top five in the country. Um, beat them on a buzzer beater. And turned around and played Jefferson, Cole Aldrich, in yeah. the – section final and like like they were bad so we played them we were up like i think we were up like 18 or 19 at half and ended up losing in overtime and that was like because i think buffalo ended up winning the state championship that year and we had beat buffalo the last game of the regular season in buffalo by like 40. (laughs) and so we had just like we were just sick like armstrong played buffalo in the state championship we had smacked armstrong multiple times there in our conference yeah um so it was just like watching that at home was just like
3: like Fluky.
1: how did we you know, how did we mess this up? So the next year it was just like, you know, we're gonna win this for sure. But we were ranked number one all year. So it wasn't like there's no like they didn't not know who you were. Yeah, it's not like we had to like come together and rally together as a team and do some crazy have some crazy run like we were beating everybody. So it was just crazy because obviously everyone knows the state championship story. We were down twenty, we were down like thirty-three to nine or something in the first half. We came back and won. Damn. Yeah,
0: didn't you have like twenty points or something in that second half or something yeah. crazy
1: like that? Yeah, but that I mean that's that's how I was all season. Like I would have no points in the first half or two yeah. points or whatever. But it was just that was the state championship, so everyone made a big deal about it. But if you look at all the box scores and stuff, I would finish with twenty-five and have two in the first half. <laughs> Because we just like that's we were just good like we had a really good team so it was like yeah. you never had to like do too much like I think I only averaged like 20 a game where like most people their senior year like oh I averaged 29 20 yeah it's it's yeah. crazy I think you averaged more your sophomore year than you did your yeah. senior year I had to do a lot more so. yeah and I played a lot more senior year I mean there was games we didn't play the second half so <laughs> that, that, that's load gonna management yeah, right it's going to hinder the stats a little bit.
2: So you mentioned Cole Aldrich. Who was the best? Was he the best player that you played against coming up in oh, high school? Or I mean, he's nah. a good player, but <laughs> no. 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 Who would you say was the best in the state, or just just
0: everywhere? in the state or I on mean, the tell AA us about user? all of
1: it. Uh, or both. In the state, um, I always the James say this. Harden story. <laughs> in the state, I always say that I always say Blake Hoffarber, and everyone always mm-hmm. like always wants to argue with me and stuff. I'm like, I played Blake so many times. Um, Freshman through, senior, or freshman through junior year. He was a year older. And then we'd play him in, in the summer, in the fall leagues, and go for team camp and all the different stuff. And, like, he would consistently score 40 points against us and make 10 threes. And, like, it, he was just impossible to guard. Um, and everyone always wants to argue. I've seen so many threads on Facebook about, like, who's the best Minnesota Hooper of all time. And, yeah. like, I've never seen anyone mention him. And it's crazy to me because I feel like he's someone that, like, if they made like an all-whatever, all-decade team or whatever from like mm. the, the early 2000s, like he's got to be on it. Like the stuff he did.
2: Because he made the lane oh, on the back shot. It, shot it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But, And everyone talks about that shot. Everyone talks about the shot that he hit before that. Yeah, He hit like a 29-footer contested to tie the game, like to God, even put them in that damn. situation. Like he was just, I thought he was, to me, like I was like he was the toughest player I played against in the state. And he had
0: Ty Nikolai on his team too.
1: Yeah, they had a really good team. Yeah. But like, I mean, he was obviously he was the motor to it all. But the best player I ever played against was, I mean, I've played against Drew, James Harden, um, Brandon Jennings, um, played against Michael Beasley when Michael Beasley was what was that man? Yeah,
2: yeah. that dude.
3: Still yeah. nice.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's still he's yeah.
1: overseas now, right? He I
0: was think he's in China, China yeah. last yeah. year.
1: I don't know where he's been this year um he's an interesting dude (laughs) people I mean we watch Zion Williamson and stuff right now that's how Michael Beasley was he just he had everything he just I don't know I don't know what happened um between college and and the NBA as far as them switching his position and stuff trying to make him more of a three than a four but if he was playing right now like if he was coming out of college right now it would be different oh I believe that I believe that for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I've played against so many of those guys. I can't pick one. Um, some were better at that time than, like, obviously you see guys like um, James Harden now. Yeah. he's not. That's not how he played in high school. No. So it's, it was kind of— Didn't he always back you down and shit? He was like Yeah, he played, like, the four in college. But, like, in AAU when we played him, he was just everything. Like, he'd just get a rebound and go coast-to-coast. Coast. But he was strong. And athletic. That's the stories I always remember you telling me is how strong he was. Yeah, he was very strong. Like, like hurt your chest strong. <laughs> <So>.
2: <laughs> back when he had the skinny beard. Right.
1: Oh yeah, I'm I'm looking at pictures of him from had, like had no beard. Yeah, <laughs> looking at pictures <laughs> in the game sign
2: Like you, that's not James Harden. Yeah, yeah it was no, fake it was Back when he had no now beard in not. high school.
0: <laughs> that's, that's funny, I, I, bro. Yeah, we'll talk more about that off camera. But yeah, he's got the funniest stories and the Drew Holiday one that was here in Minnesota. Yeah. Didn't you give him like 17 or
1: something like that? Yeah, and like to me, that was like everyone hyped it up so much. But I'd played against him in AU, I'd played against him at uh, Adidas Superstar Camp. Like I'd been playing against him. So for me, it was more like we just wanted to win the game. Yeah. Everyone was looking at it like as like this personal battle, and like he came in, he had 30, and they beat us by 20. Yeah. And so like everyone was like, everyone was like disappointed in me. I was like, we're talking about a team that's like number two or number three in the country. Yeah, and they had like five or six high, high major division one guys yep. and stuff. And I was just like, to me, I was like, we were, we didn't have a chance of winning the game. I wouldn't say. Yeah. Um, but like, you I, held your own. That that was what I was trying to get at. Yeah. I mean, I was disappointed though. Like, obviously, I wanted to come in and I wanted to have forty and I right. wanted us to win. Right. And So for it to go kind of the other way, I was like. To me, it's something like I don't remember it like that, but mm-hmm. now people bring it up and they're like, "You played really well against them." I'm like, I had games where I had 35 against them and beat them in the summer. Dude. So to me, that game was like kind of a disappointment. Yeah. And that was
0: AAU though, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean AAU, if I remember right, you won the 16 and under championship at Hoosier. Yep. Hoosier Shootout, right? Yeah. That so was... I mean, you you've been around with all that for, I mean, as long as you can probably remember. Yeah. So what was that all like getting to that point and seeing these guys like you're saying you had those moments where you did have 35 and beat
1: them and mm-hmm. I mean it was at the time like you don't think about it like that cuz these guys aren't who they are now. Right. Uh, obviously you, you see guys and you're like oh, you know, he's going to the league. I thought I was going to the NBA when I was 16. Like I you know, I wasn't I wasn't thinking I was going to play overseas or whatever. If you would have told me <laughs> that, I would've been like, "What?" <laughs> so <laughs> you just you, you don't think about it until after, and they're not stories that I tell now, but it's they're stories that other people tell. Like, like I had I had a 40 point game, and we beat Pump and Run um, in Las Vegas, and Clay Thompson guarded me the whole game. And Clay Thompson's probably a top top three defender in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Well, then on top of that, like one of the greatest shooters in yeah. NBA history. Yeah. So like those are things like when it happened though, like Clay was going to Washington State, and mm-hmm. I was Just like, he, I didn't think he was any good. <laughs> <laughs> was like, oh, that's crazy <laughs> to me. I, was, I had better offers than him, so I was like, I was like I'm supposed to do that to him. You know I mean? <laughs> but now, like, Chris will tell that story. He'll like, and obviously, the stories have changed too. It's it went from I really had like 30 now legends, and now right. it's like, oh, he went, he went 10 for 10 from three in the first half. I'm like, that did that. <laughs> uh-huh. It sounds nice, yeah, it right. sounds I'll good. take it. And there's there's video video footage, but when the story changes, then the, the video's gone somehow. Like, oh, I don't know where that is right now.
2: Dude, and that that goes to show too how like how crucial it is for play, today's players like for development because yeah. like you said, you like you're like I don't think Clay was that good, and right. like now if you said that today, you're like what do you mean he wasn't that? Great? He's great now. It's right. like you have you have to put that work in and like be able to come of come a lot further than they were in high school.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's crazy for me. Like I watch Drew Holiday play, and I, like I'm like. I watched him play last night and I was like, this dude is like the best player on the floor right now mm-hmm. at, at certain times in the game. And I'm like, he's maybe the most underrated player in the NBA. Oh, I right agree. Now. Yeah. And I'm like, like, I'm like, what is the difference between him and, you know, some of these guys that are getting a ton of hype and, and a ton of like publicity and stuff? And like, why is he not getting it? But to me, he's always been someone that I was like, this dude is really, really good. And so, the development piece is there, but there's also just this weird like, if you don't if you don't do something that makes you stand out, like Clay being just the top a shooter, yeah, yeah, top three shooter of all time, or being a Damian Lillard who, you know, hits from the, the logo, logo yeah, hits from the logo, and then next <laughs> possession goes down and dunks on someone, or or Russ who is just flamboyant in everything he does, and if you're not one of those guys, you can fly under the radar in this era. Which is crazy because I mean Drew is like skill wise and stuff. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't put any of those guys above him skill wise. So, and I mean your your favorite player of all time is Agent
0: Zero. Yep. I mean <laughs> that's that's a pretty flamboyant dude right there. So that's a pretty fun guy to yeah to follow in general. Yeah. Break down some of that. Uh,
1: it was just like it was high school and just watching him play with the Wizards and. Just the stuff he was able to do. He uh-huh. was really doing it. <laughs> yeah. I just, I felt like I had like, that in common with him where like he would run off like 13, 15 straight. And like that was what I would do. And so I just enjoyed watching it because I felt like that was someone I could relate to. Yeah. Um, we played sort of similar in some ways. Uh, like shooting off the dribble and stuff has always been some, like that's always been my best attribute. Mm-hmm. Was able being able to create space and get shots off and make them, and that's what he was really good at. So I just really liked watching him, and he just you know, I just would argue with people all the time, and he gave Kobe sixty, and and nobody wanted to talk about it, and I, I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> I, I just I don't know I loved watching him play and. His like his attitude and stuff was I thought it was funny. Yeah. Uh, obviously he's a lot different now. He's a lot funnier and he's a lot more involved on social media and says some outrageous stuff. Oh
2: no Chill Gill. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So uh, people I think people lose sight of like the kind of player he was. And he wasn't like that on the court. Like he wasn't like he wasn't doing wild stuff like that on the court. So it was like No, it was just in the locker room when right, and he's having guns and guns
2: and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Never <laughs> Other than that <laughs> though, Never he was, was he was hilarious.
1: Yeah, he was a killer. Yeah. So I I don't know. I just I liked watching him play and then, you know, I just I'll still tell you to this day, he's my he was my favorite player. Yeah, bro, I remember the first time I
0: found out about that, I think we were doing some sort of, you must have been going to hoop, and I must have been going to do something out on the turf. And I had on Gilbert Arena shoes. Yeah. And you were like, you like Gilbert? Agent Zero. And I was like, I thought these were Reggie Bush's when I bought them. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, What? <laughs> you were giving me shit about it. And I was like, no, nah, I just use them on the turf all the time.
1: The disrespect that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do like Gilbert, though. I really do. The company
1: gave him his own shoe line. Dude, Adidas. he was, yeah, he, is, he oh, had okay, okay. six sneakers, yeah. bro. Because we were, uh, our AAU team was sponsored by Adidas. So I would get, I had them like every color, every colorway that came oh, out. Like, the
0: black with the gold. Those were yeah, dope. Yeah, they had,
1: we had, I think we had every single pair that he ever had with Adidas. And we could like we could ask for them and stuff. So I'd, other guys were getting like crazy eights and all these different shoes. And I was like, no, just give me the Gil Zeros. <laughs> I'll take the high tops and the low tops. Who are some of your other favorite players right now that are playing that you like to watch? I love James Harden. I okay. love watching James Harden play. Um, you might be his only fan right around. now. I was gonna say. I was gonna say that the, the slander and the the amount of, of stuff you see people say about him is.
0: I think, I think it's just because it's boring to watch a guy go to the line. I don't think people don't mess with the skill because the skill is there. Mm-hmm. He's mastered today's game. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's just people are like, I'm tired of seeing it.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I can appreciate that. Um, but I, you know, and then I have to listen to the same people turn around and say they like watching Giannis play. And I'm like, I'm like, what? The, why? Like, so I've had arguments with people about that. And then I just stopped arguing. it's it's preference it's like what do you like watching Um, I really like him I really like like watching like CJ McCollum play I think guys that have a super high skill level and not necessarily a ton of athleticism Mm -hmm. um, I think those guys are fun to watch Um, right now though I'm just kind of more of just a fan of the NBA and of just appreciating guys skill like watching Luka last night He's different. Yeah, it's fun watching him. I mean, watching him play against Drew last night. And Drew's one of the better defenders in the league. He had Drew on skates a couple of times. <laughs> like, like, there was, dude. He had a move in the fourth quarter
2: yeah. where I was like, God, you can't guard
1: We did the double can, crossover uh, type yeah. deal. Yeah, he like, yeah. did like a little step back, hesitate, yeah. cross he like, him. Stuff like that where you're watching guys that aren't the most athletic guys. Just really put on, like watching Kyrie, watching Kyrie dribble and Guys cannot stay in front of him for anything. Like it's that to me is fun to watch. Um, I'm kind of with I'm kind of with James Harden and the I don't like watching Giannis play. I don't I, I think he's mastered. You say James Harden's mastered the NBA. I think Giannis has because when he went and played in the FIBA World Championships, he looked terrible. Yeah. So I think I don't really I don't enjoy watching um, like the bigger like Kawhi's. I'd I'd rather watch Paul George than Kawhi. Well, yeah, Paul George was—man, until he broke his leg, I think he was
0: probably the best player in the NBA that year before. Before the injury happened, I think that's kind of kept him off the radar um, since. Yeah, he was he was on that level of,
2: like, the best two-way player yeah. in the game. Oh, combined. man,
0: I thought he was, it was him and LeBron that year, and I thought Paul George— he was killing kids that's, that year. It's one of those where you have high expectations for LeBron and no expectations for Paul George. So right.
1: it's, it's a lose lose.
0: I guess. LeBron. I mean, yeah, LeBron's been the most consistent, but I I feel like since that injury, he's kind of like, like you said, gone under the radar, and people don't
1: appreciate how unreal he is. I mean, he was an MVP candidate last year. So mm. Like he's he's found it. I just I don't think this is a good fit with with the Clippers. Um, but.
0: You know, do you think it's a good time. fit for him to stand out, or for him to still get a ship? Though I feel like it's a great opportunity
1: to get it. A... Um, it depends. You know, some guys don't win one their entire career and have great, you know, fantastic careers, and then some guys win a bunch of championships or win one and there's an asterisk by it because it's like, oh, you didn't really do anything. Like you were the <laughs> second, third option. On right. The team. So for guys that are, you know, stars or borderline superstars or whatever, uh, whatever, like class you put him in. I don't know it depends you know sometimes it is about winning sometimes it's about maximizing your you know the shine that you get do you
0: enjoy the game today versus you know like the 90s or do you prefer
1: the 90s over that or uh i don't know like i'm not i'm not one of those people that's gonna sit and tell you like like oh the game is soft now and And show you a bunch of highlights of people getting undercut and stuff and be like, (laughs) like, this was when basketball was good. Um, I think some stuff is hard to watch. um, But it's more like the technical stuff. Like I think the reviews in the last two minutes and and stuff is like every time the ball goes out of bounds, all a guy has to do is do this. And we're we're sitting there for two, three minutes waiting for them to look at it. Um, Stuff like that makes it harder to watch but i think like the skill level the athleticism and stuff like how can you not enjoy watching you know better basketball or better basketball players guys are obviously more individually talented now than they were back then oh for sure
0: so i think that's do you think it's a lot of that's because of the physicality's gone down a lot
1: or do you think people are just starting practicing earlier earlier ages the evolution of of like anything i mean guys are they're doing more skill development stuff at a younger age there's more guys are more athletic like yeah it's just it's crazy seeing like these high school kids we thought like when i was in high school like if you could dunk with two hands it was like oh that dude's athletic now it's like if you can it's
2: the norm now right yeah now yeah. if you can't throw it off the backboard between the legs yeah. like, <laughs> <Not yet. laughs>
1: but it's like everyone can do that too though like yeah. it's like if you can't do that then people are like oh no he's not athletic I don't know. The only person, like when I was in high school, like AAU and stuff, the only guy that was dunking, like, doing the stuff that they're doing now was DeMar DeRozan. Like, literally the only guy. Nobody else was doing any of that. Terrell Clark could throw down. He wasn't doing DeMar DeRozan, but he was... That's another example of, like, we thought Terrell was, like, was crazy
0: athletic. I did. I still do. I mean, I, I see him every once in a while hooping, and he still can fly.
1: Yeah, but that, like, not... Not DeMar DeRozan. I do agree with that. I'm just in terms of, like, these high school kids now, like, no. <laughs> no. You ever get dunked on? Uh, Yeah. Who was it by? I mean, I've been dunked on so many times. College, I remember my freshman year at college, like, we'd do, like, these fast break drills and stuff. And, like, I was a freshman, and I was like, oh, I got to draw charges all the time. I would try to draw charges and get dunked on probably, like, once every two or three days.
2: Is there one in a game that stands out where it's like, I cannot watch that on film when we
1: go back, run the tape back? No, I'm trying to th- I'm sure there's one that I'm just, you know, I, I blocked it off. <laughs> um, no, not really. There's... Okay, yeah. Yep, yep. So we were playing the Georgia Stars in AAU in, like, I think we were in Houston uh, in the Kingwood Classic. And there was a loose ball on the floor. And Al Farouk Aminu, like picked the ball up with one hand just like like palmed it off the floor and I was under him like we were like I was slapping at the ball and stuff, and he just grabbed it and went up and dunked it and I was like right Like like, like two hands up trying to like keep his nuts off my face that was one and then like they call it foul and I'd like I was like you didn't have to call the foul like I didn't really it like, <laughs> make makes it so much worse it didn't affect the play really I was just no. protecting myself <laughs> that was one because I, uh, I was like there was guys just like slapping at the ball and he was just like no mm, give me this that. and it's weird because like in the NBA he was like a wing like a three point shooter like yeah in AU he was he was a monster so when did you know at a
0: young age that you were different than everybody else that like A, basketball can be a career for me.
1: My 15s year of AU, so was that right after freshman year, like Mm -hmm. right into sophomore year, I think, Um, because that's when we started traveling. I mean, we traveled when I was younger, like when I played for Magic. Mm -hmm. We'd go to AU Nationals and stuff, but that's more like you're just like you're the best player on your team, and you don't really – you don't hear about other guys. You don't – there's no – back then there was no social media – Anything. Mm-hmm. your first time seeing a guy was in person and so when we were traveling around for that it was just like you know our team's really good and yeah. when it was 15s it was more like when you start seeing college coaches um you know they have like the little section roped off for for college coaches only and <clears throat> when you start like having tournament mvps and all tournament teams and stuff like that. And I was consistently having really good tournaments, um, my 15th and under year. That's when I started to think like, okay, like this is, you know, this is something I wanna do. Um, maybe not professionally, like I don't think, I wasn't thinking like that, it was just NBA. Like, you're not thinking about like the logistical part of like, oh, I can do this for a career. You're just thinking like, oh, I wanna make it to the NBA because it's mm-hmm. the NBA. Um, but 15-0 was when I was like, okay, I wanna play division one. I want to play high major division one. I want to be really good. So I would say it was that year because you start, you start seeing other guys, but you're also starting to hear about other guys. And then you're like, you're hearing about them, then you're playing against them. And you're like, oh, this guy's not, which I'm sure there's plenty of guys have said that about me. Like I played against him and like, he wasn't that good, but that's how it is. Like you hear about this guy from, whether it's a teammate or a coach or you go on Rivals, like that used to be the big thing, it was like with the Rivals rankings for us. Yeah. Um, you go on Rivals, that's when they started ranking players too. Yeah. Like 15's year. So like that was a big thing too. So I would say that year was when it became like more real to me. So what coaches were you seeing?
0: Like who, who was the first coach that really caught your eye? Did he even come there for you or did you impress him at the tournament
1: so now he does know who you are? Um, I played really well in uh, Houston. That was like, we went to Houston like April, so it was like the first tournament. Um, And I played really well, and there was like, I just remember seeing like, we played, uh, we played a team from like Georgia or something, and there was just all these coaches from like the SEC schools, there was like Georgia, um, Florida, you know, like Vanderbilt, like all these schools, because they're following these guys around, and I was just like, that was the first time when I was, like, like seeing these big schools. Yeah. The other stuff, like, we in Minnesota, like, at that time, basketball wasn't, the talent level wasn't super high. So, like, we were seeing, like, Wisconsin Green Bay and UNI and stuff. Like, th- that's who was watching our games, like, following us around. Like, they're at our 10 in the morning games yeah. and stuff. So, when we started playing, like, these good teams it was when I started seeing, like, these bigger schools, and I was playing really well. Yeah. And part of it was the situation I was in. Like, I was on a team where there was, we had three Division One guys. So who were they? Uh, myself, Andrew Brommer, who also played at Iowa, and C.J. Harrison. Okay. Went to Evansville. Um, everyone else went Division Two or JUCO or whatever. So we mm-hmm. didn't have like this elite team. So I was just in a situation where like, if I didn't play well, we weren't going to be any good. Mm-hmm. And but I had the ball all the time. It was just a situation for me to, to do well and to shine. And so I was able to, to play well, like, most of the time. And so we'd play these really good teams. And we had a really good team. Like, we practiced a lot for an AAU team. Like, we had, yeah. we had good coaching and stuff. So, And that was Chris Carr. Yeah, we'd yep. win a lot of games. We'd, yeah. we'd, we'd make it to the Final Four of these big tournaments and stuff like that. And um, I remember we made it to the Final Four at Kingwood, and we had to leave because – of our flight like we booked our flights like oh we're not going to make it to the championship <laughs> so we ended up we ended up forfeiting in the final four um otherwise i mean if we win that tournament that puts us on the map no, shit. so we ended up leaving early um or no, we, we forfeit the championship game. We won the semifinal game. The yeah. Championship game. I'll be like, yeah, we got to reschedule. We got to miss this flight. <laughs> but at that time, like for AAU, like we didn't have a big sponsorship my fifteens year. Yeah. So we didn't have a bunch of money. Like it was, parents were paying the money. So parents were like. like no, uh, get your ass on yeah. that plane. <laughs> had, and it was like, you guys got school tomorrow. Like yeah. Sunday, like Sunday afternoon, if we don't get on this flight, we're, who knows when we're getting back. Right. Monday morning, that's another night of hotel, food changing tickets they were like no we gotta go kids were like all right cool like (laughs) time to go so yeah i would say i would say 15s year was the first time when i was like okay i can i can do this
0: do you feel like most of your recruiting
1: came from the aau obviously yeah yeah at that time that's what it was like it was kind of weird because like they would you get recruited heavily in aau and then like if they're really serious about you they might show up to a high school game but they weren't come. it wasn't the other way around yeah so like they weren't coming to high school games to see you and then being like oh we'll check them out in the summer too like it was the opposite so we needed aau so and, like when people talk about like oh aau's ruining basketball i'm like aau's what gets you noticed when i was playing now with social media you don't have to you don't have to leave the couch if you're a college coach you just Right, go on ball is life or whatever, and be like. Oh, I still feel up. like high school ball.
0: You're not getting the same competition. You see a lot of good guys playing with these. Yeah, yeah. you know, single A schools and
2: AAU is like the as divi- like the Division One of high school basketball. <laughs> oh, for or sure. Then high school, the regular high school season is just like so the regular kids can go play basketball, right.
0: and then you're seeing coaches screw kids over for playing in yeah. AAU, which is a sad thing to see too because it's messing up their minutes, yeah. screwing up their shine. Yeah.
1: But, I mean, part of AU is tough, too, because you got, you're taking on these good teams, you're taking the best player, the kids, are that, kids that are used to being the best player on their teams, and then you're putting them together, and so you, the problem is the parents, really, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, like, I, I'm going on, a t- I, I just came off an all-conference varsity season at whatever school I went to, and now I'm coming, and I got to play behind this dude, so I'm only playing 10 minutes a game. Yeah. So that's that's where the problems lie. I feel like, but at the same time, it's like it's the same thing when you get to college. Everyone's, right. Like, if you go to to a Big Ten school, a ACC school, Big Twelve school, whatever. You're really good, like you are. You're good, and you're not just the best player on your team. You're probably the best player in your state, like whatever the case is. You get to college, and it's very humbling, very quickly. Like, no, you're, you're redshirting. You're yeah. Like, what? <laughs> so. It's it. I think it gets you ready for that. Yeah. And I think it creates like healthy competition. But at that time, like nobody's been through that before. So it's it's kind of tough to to jump into that, and especially when you're putting people's future. That's where the parents come in. And so they're like, oh, like you didn't play my kid, and this coach was here to see him and stuff. And they feel like you're you're ruining it or like screwing kids over. You're like well, we're trying to win at the same yeah. time. So. Finding that balance is tough too, but I thought AU was pivotal for at the time. Yeah, I thought it was the most important thing in the world because that's where the coaches were, and that's it's it's a chance too. Where like someone isn't recruiting you, yeah, they're there to see someone else, and you play well, and all of a sudden you're on their radar. So mm-hmm. I thought that was that was huge.
0: So whose radar were you all in? They're on, I should say. Like who were you talking to when you were making those decisions for
1: recruiting? I you mean, know, I had so many schools, I had so many schools interested that didn't offer me scholarships um, that that that's a tough part too is it's like you want, you want to go somewhere, you think you want to go somewhere without even knowing anything about have, not having been there, not knowing anyone that has been there, but you're just like, you know, I, I like the jerseys, I like the arena. <laughs> I like the idea of playing in the ACC or playing wherever. Um, so just like schools I was hearing from that now when I look back, on, I'm like, yeah, that probably wasn't gonna be a good fit for me. Like me going to Arizona wasn't gonna be a good fit for me playing in the Pac-12. Like athletically, it just wasn't. But at the time, I'm like, oh, I wanna go to Arizona. Like, I wanna go, you know, I, I wanna go live in Arizona and have nice weather and all yeah. this stuff. But um, I mean, I heard from, I heard from everyone, like Sands, Duke. Yeah. I didn't hear from Duke, but everyone else I at least have a letter or a you know, something from them. So what made you choose Iowa? What made you narrow down to them? Um I wanted to play in the Big 10. I at the time I thought that it was the best fit for my game. Um when you at that time when you grew up in the Midwest playing basketball your coaches, everyone kind of Push you to the Big Ten, like oh, it's the best, best fit for you. Um, Iowa was close at the time. Uh, now, like NCAA rules have changed and stuff, you can have they can give you plane tickets and fly your family out. And at that time, like you couldn't do any of that. And so I was, I wanted to be somewhere close enough that I could go home, mm-hmm. you know, for during breaks and stuff. Because if I go to California, I couldn't afford to fly right back. Forth. Yeah um wanted to go somewhere where my mom could see me play uh she came to all my games yeah at iowa um so that was important to me and then i just i had the opportunity to play right away okay so that was yeah so that like that was another big thing it's like i got started as a freshman in the big 10 so and you played really well Didn't at one point you were actually leading all
0: freshmen in scoring yeah yeah
1: yeah you're Killing it. Yeah. So yeah, it was the best situation for me at the time. Um, I was so turned off by the Gophers. Really? Uh, How come?
2: Yeah. I was just gonna say that's the one big knock
1: they have is they can't keep in-state talent. What was the reason you didn't? Still can't. Uh, Still can't. And I don't know. I mean, I don't. I'm a pro now. I, I don't have any ties to anybody, so I don't feel bad in, in saying it. But they were like they were just such a mess. Like yeah. Uh, they offered me a scholarship as a sophomore and then took it away, like like within a week later. Um, Damn. They brought Tubby Smith in, and I was already committed to Iowa, but I hadn't signed yet. And so he was trying to get me on campus to visit and didn't know, like scheduled a visit with me, and then called me again and canceled and then rescheduled another one and didn't know what day I was coming. And so it was just, there's so much stuff where I was like, I, you guys can't even figure out if you want me here, why would I want right. to come here? Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember sitting with Dan Munson, uh, who was the coach at the time, like my freshman or sophomore year um, at Gopher Team Camp, sitting with him uh, in his office and him telling me he didn't think I was ever gonna be a Big Ten player. So <laughs> you have stuff like that where you just like, I'm like, you can respect, like I respect people's opinion and stuff. And at that time I was 6'3", 170 pounds and not overly athletic and not overly physical and stuff. So he probably thought I was just going to be another one of those – another kid that, like, oh, he shoots it pretty well and he's pretty skilled, but, you know, he's not going to be able to play in the, bodies, yet, yeah. in the physicality of – so, I mean, I just so many things happened like that where I was just like – when it came time to even making a college choice or, like, taking schools really seriously, like, I didn't even – I didn't even consider it. Like, it wasn't even a, a thing. Like, if I made a Final Five, I committed to Iowa pretty early. But, like, if I made a Final Five or whatever, they wouldn't even have been. Who would have that Final Five been? Um, I don't know, because I committed so early that I was, yeah. like, I didn't really look at other schools. Like, I, in my mind, I had, like, I want to play in the Big Ten. I want to be able to play. Um, I want to be close to home. So that kind of narrows it down in and of itself. Um,
0: so, so you but, got no regrets moving forward with going with Iowa. To that point, you're like, hey, this is it.
1: I know I'm no. in a good spot. No, I think I made the right decision for myself. Yeah. Um, with where I was and what I wanted and stuff. It checked all the boxes. and you know, I thought it was the right move, and it, it was at the time. When did you commit? I committed... I committed in the fall of my... No, I committed in the spring of my junior year.
2: Oh, so you would have had a lot of time still to yeah. collect a lot of a
1: yeah. lot of interest from yeah. other schools too. So I committed at the very beginning of the the 17 under AAU like season. Yep. So which I had the best seventeen U AAU season possible. I had there was no pressure. We were playing in all these huge tournaments and I was just like You just take that weight off of your shoulders and i just had fun i i think i averaged like i think i averaged like 27 9 and 9 for the summer (laughs) and we won a bunch of tournaments i went to camp Um, (laughs) yeah it it was just like just had a great spring because it was fun and so then i started picking up i had like ucla i had louisville all these schools like trying to get me you know like oh you should reconsider that and i was just Mm -hmm. like no i'm good like
0: Hey man, Shaq was getting that money on the table. Maybe they threw you something. Nah,
1: that was not for me. I was like, I'm good. Stay out of that. Yeah, I signed uh signed at the first signing period, uh, senior year. And was just I mean that carried into senior year. Like I just played really well 'cause I didn't I wasn't worried about anything.
0: So then let's talk about when you got to Iowa. <laughs> what was that transition like in I mean we can go into you know, your freshman and sophomore year of all that. and I mean, you just had a different college career yeah. than what you originally envisioned. And I think a lot of it, also, too, I'm biased because I'm your boy. But I think a lot of stuff was, you know, bogus just because you're a kid. You know what I mean? And and how things kind of got yeah. thrown
1: upon you. Um, So I had a terrible, it was terrible transitioning for me. Like, I was not ready for the amount of attention I got. Um, I didn't know how to handle it. And the basketball transition was really tough for me. I went from playing for a coach who was, who was, he was really hard on me as a freshman and a sophomore. And then by the time I was a senior, I could have kicked the ball, tried to you know kick the ball from half court and try to make it. he'd be like, oh, good shot. <laughs> <clears throat> so then I went and I got to Iowa and played for um, a coach named Todd Licklider. He's now the head coach at Evansville. And he was really, he was really different. Um, he wasn't overly social, like he didn't talk to us. Like you could walk by him like in the tunnel and he wouldn't talk to you. Like he'd just kind of like duck his head and walk past you, which I, you know, I'm coming off of playing AAU for Chris, who I'd lived with and had, yep. kind, I mean, was a father figure to me. Mm-hmm. And then my high school coach who I was as close with as you could possibly be to a coach who like, I just thought he hated me, you know what I mean? So yeah. I was just like, they were hard on me every day and then there was never any like no love yeah like like off the court or anything there was never like like any type of relationship so it was just like the basketball part was tough for me the social part was really tough for me um cuz i just wasn't built for I, I i didn't know how to handle attention like and iowa city is a very there's no pro teams in iowa so you are the pro team mm-hmm. and um yeah, I just didn't handle it well. Like, there's, there's no way around it. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't really party in high school. Uh, yeah. At all, uh, I had a girlfriend. Like, hung out with her all the time. Like, to the point where, like, I wasn't hanging out with my friends. Yeah. I was hanging out with her, and so, having like freedom, and whatever, I, I just wasn't. You know, I didn't really have. I didn't do that in high school. So then getting to college and starting to do it, I didn't know how to do, like, what I was doing. Yeah. And it just, it didn't work out (laughs) well for me. Like, I just made consistent mistakes um, that people would be like, oh, those are kids' mistakes and stuff. Most kids would make them in high school. I made them. On a big stage with everybody in your face with a camera. Yeah, and I made them over and over. And so, like, that part is hard. or was really hard for me. It's a lot easier for me to talk about now and I actually enjoy talking about it and talking to people about it and mm-hmm. stuff because I I know it can help certain people. It was um, dope seeing you mature so much too from you know
0: I I've known you like for a long time now. Yeah. And to see you grow from I don't even want to say we were boys back then cuz I think we were young men, but to yeah. see us as real adults now. Right. I feel like we've gotten our shit together. Right. And yeah. It's crazy to see the transformation you made. Right. And I couldn't even imagine, you know, the attention you're getting, the pressure you're getting to then be in that position. Yeah. And to have something as simple as, I mean, drinking is something people want to say was an issue. And it was like, this is the first time I've ever been able to drink. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Everybody was acting like that. Just nobody had people following them around. Right.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I just, I had never been in that situation. I just didn't handle it correctly. And I think the, when people ask about Iowa and like, oh, do you regret going there and stuff? I'm like, no, I regret the way I acted when I was there. Right. Like, um, I could have definitely handled it better. I should have handled it better, especially after I got in trouble the first time. Like, you know, most people, you'd, you'd like to learn from your mistakes and, and do better. And I just didn't. Um, but also, like, my favorite thing to do is to clear up. Like, people are like, oh, you got kicked out of Iowa. I'm like, no, I didn't. You left. yeah. Like, I was like, no, I didn't. Yeah, they wanted you to stay. Yeah, I'm like, I, I didn't get kicked out of school or I didn't get kicked off the team or anything like that. I left because I didn't feel comfortable there. Like, I felt like every time I went out, I'm not talking about going out at night. I'm talking about any time I went, I was on campus for class or mm-hmm. whatever. I had people looking at me like thinking like, oh, this dude, like, you know, it's right. just uncomfortable all the time.
2: And especially with like, with drinking, like, so I went to North Dakota State University and it's so, like out in Fargo, is probably similar to Iowa where right.
1: there's not a lot to do
2: in general, so right. like as a state or as a campus as a whole, like everybody's drinking, everybody's partying, and then when you're the athlete, yeah. you're gonna, you're the one that gets in trouble for everything because all eyes are on you. And then when you don't have a pro team similar to NDSU, like you're the pro team, so now everybody's eyes are even more on you. Like I've had, gr- yeah. we would have grown ass men come to like Fan Appreciation Day, like, oh my gosh, you guys are the greatest. And it's like, dude, you're 60 years old telling some 18 year old kid, like, you can't wait to see him play, and it's like, to have all that pressure and then still, like you said, trying to mature as an adult from a child, like yeah, it's it's a lot to deal with.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough. And like, I mean, I wouldn't say most of us are built to like handle it. And mm-hmm. so I just feel like I I was pretty laid back and reserved in high school, and you know, I wasn't out a lot. And, I feel like you and, still are. I mean, I feel like that's your personality. Yeah. So I mean, I to all of a sudden be like, you walk in a room and everyone's head turns and looks at you and stuff like. And it sounds, like it's the stuff that that celebrities and NBA players deal with, and mm-hmm. NFL players and stuff. And to tell it, and people are like, it probably wasn't like that. I'm like, no, it really was like that. Like, you yeah. walk into a restaurant and, like, people stop eating and, like, start looking at, like, oh. Like, and so I just, I didn't know. Like, I was just like, what is going on? Like, I don't know how mm-hmm. to handle this. And unfortunately, like, when it happens, guys in the NBA, they've gone through a year of this. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the NBA. Or they've gone through four years of it, or whatever. Like, I was trying to handle it at 18, at yeah. 19, for the first time. Um, and I just, you know, you hear stories all the time of, of guys that don't handle it well, and then you hear about how well someone handles themselves. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, I was unfortunately on the other end of the spectrum. Like I just didn't, didn't do it right. Yeah, man, I feel like it's super unfortunate for the
0: age you're at, like how young you were. Mm-hmm. And it, it's tough too because people don't know you. Yeah. you know, if people really knew who you were, right? Nobody'd ever think that about you. Right, nicest dude I've ever, ever met. Right. I, and so when I when I think about those things, and it sucks too, cause you're saying how you're being you're being affected by it, but then right. even people who care about you back home, right? You know, everybody's trying to talk to them and say, oh, blah 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 blah, and it's like you don't even know what you're talking about, right. who that person even is, yeah. so it. The way it affects so many other facets of your life beyond just your personal self, mm-hmm. and then to be constantly thinking about that in your mind. It's yeah. just:
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, you felt like you feel like you let everyone down. Um, I remember my cousin, my aunt called me, and my cousin got in a fight at school, like the day after the, the news came out because some kid made fun of me, to him, and you like, like punched him in the face, and got suspended. The kid
0: deserved it. So, <laughs> Fuck I mean, that you're
1: kid. You're just like, like, it does affect other people. And you, I did feel like I let people down. When I got in trouble the second time, I, like, I shut down completely. Like, I, I didn't know what to do. I was not going to throw like, mental health in and say I was depressed and stuff because that's not fair. Like, it's, it's a natural reaction to making a mistake. Right. But I, was, I really did shut down for a little bit. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Like, I, I thought I was going to get kicked out of school and kicked off the team.
0: Um, but I remember you had like a Facebook post though right after all that saying like I'm leaving yeah. and I remember the news took that
1: yeah, and ran all over with the I mean a status from Facebook yeah and I didn't handle that well either like I I took it as like like I got in trouble and I got defensive I was, yeah Like, like I, I mean I felt like I was being targeted by the police but so was everyone like the football uh, football coach's son uh, James Ferentz Got in trouble like four or five times. Like yeah. just, that's the way the Iowa City police were though. Like, it's crazy because they're at at football games tailgating and mm-hmm. and cheering for the team, and then Saturday night after the game, they're out there looking for football players who are just, right. Like it was just a weird dynamic. And, and what
2: happened with you where like the police were involved that in your situation?
1: I got in. I got two underage drinking citations okay which would be nothing
2: (laughs) yeah it was like everybody gives them come off your record when you turn
1: eight or like it's a 60 or 80 ticket and that's it yeah it's not like a misdemeanor or anything it's just a ticket and but what happens is is they put you in the they have this thing called the police blotter Mm -hmm. and on like monday morning in the the school newspaper that They that they pass out on campus and stuff people open it and look at the blotter cause it's funny. Cause like you'll see someone sitting next to you in class. I'm, right. Cause everyone gets underage drinking tickets there or did at the time. Cause the bars were 19. So you could be in the bars, but oh, you weren't okay. supposed to be drinking. Yeah. But everyone was drinking. Right. The police would come in there with flashlights and just like walk up to kids and be like, can I see your ID? Knowing that they were going to you could walk in and come out with 30 kids. Yeah. More than 30 kids, probably 300 kids yeah. that are underage. So I got, yeah, got in trouble freshman year. Um, Freshman year was bad. I, I got in trouble, came back from the suspension, got sick, had mono, missed a bunch of class. Um, one of my teachers, that she did not like basketball players, football players. Mm-hmm. Um, she was my English teacher, and she failed me for missing class, even though I had I had doctor's notes from the hospital because we had a hospital on campus. Yep, um, doctor's notes excusing me from class saying that I had mono all this stuff she failed me and disappeared didn't come back for second semester Damn. um and so I was academically ineligible after I got after I failed that class mm-hmm. so I missed the rest of the season so I only played I don't know what I played 12 or 13 games my freshman year and then came back sophomore year and which was crazy because I worked like I was academically ineligible and I was super embarrassed because everyone that knows me was like Yeah, you're smart. Like, what do you mean you're academically knowledgeable? And I was like, I don't know, can't play. Like that. That was. I just be like, I I just can't play. So I, second semester, I got a 3.9 just to, and it was it was all over the place, like the news and everyone was like, Oh, don't get it twisted. He's really worked on himself and stuff. I was like,
0: I'm being the same me I've always been. (laughs) Said no, I'm just.
1: Said no, I'm not going out like that. So like worked my butt off, uh, second semester, like in the classroom and on the court and stuff. Came back. Gained a bunch of weight, like I was like, I went from like one ninety to like two o five, like came back sophomore year, like I'm. Right, I'm seat. here. What's up? And just had the worst start to the basketball season you could ever. I was shooting like twenty percent from three, um, just playing horrible. And then uh, we were losing, like we lost our first like three non-conference games, which you typically schedule like the worst team you can mm-hmm. find. Um, I think we lost to like Duquesne. Texas, San Antonio, and someone else—all at home. Mm. And so I'm just like, "What is going on? Like, I'm playing bad. Like, I'm I'm averaging like 11 points a game, but I'm shooting like 20 percent. Like, everyone's looking at me like, Dude, what is like? You suck.' Right. Like, like stop shooting. You were ball. really good all off season. I was really yeah. good in the preseason stuff. Um, and then I had a game we played Virginia Tech in the but ACC Big Ten. But then you went off against them. Didn't yeah. You? Had a really good game on ESPN. We lost by like or we were supposed to get smacked, lost by like four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we played Drake, had another really good game. We beat Drake, and Drake was pretty good. And then that night we went out, and I got another underage drinking ticket. Um,
0: and you feel like they, like, again, targeted you? Like they?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was just a given. That was crazy. I mean, that was like a police officer being like, oh, we know who you are. Have you been drinking <laughs> like? I like, um, So I got in trouble that time, and then that was like, I was suspended for I don't even know I think he suspended me for like something like 14 games or something yeah. which is a lot like right it was like most yeah it was like most of the big Ten season um and then I came back and he like dressed me for a game like it was my first game back we played we were playing northwestern and playing them at home and stuff and like I wasn't wasn't starting which I was like you know whatever then he, like, didn't put me in at all in the first half. And I was like, it's a close game. Like, Northwestern was a team that, like, they were not great, but they were they were okay. Mm-hmm. Like, we had a chance to win at home. Yeah. And second half rolls around, doesn't put me in. And after that game, I was just like, I don't feel like, you know, I don't feel like I like this is the place for me anymore. Because, you know, I was uncomfortable on campus.
0: And you uncomfortable but, on yeah, the court.
1: Basketball comes back, and I'm like – Work, like, this is the man. only thing that was
0: keeping me here. Yeah,
1: it was another situation where I worked really, really hard to. I had to jump through a bunch of hoops to get back like in good standing on the team. Mm-hmm. I had to do some counseling stuff. I had to do some community service stuff. Um, all this while I'm practicing with the team, um, you know, doing scout team, all that stuff, killing everyone because I'm the best player on the team. So right, yeah, they got me running scout team and stuff, and I just like I was working before games. I was doing the workouts, I was staying after games doing workouts, doing everything to get back. And then I came back and it was kind of like this public, like, yeah, he's back, but he's not really on the team type thing. And so after that happened, I was like, you know what, this isn't, this isn't for me anymore. Um, We knew that he was getting fired. Our coach was getting fired at the end of the year. Yeah, He knew, we knew, and he started doing stuff. Like he was started, he started his son, who was a walk-on. His son was like a 5'9", (laughs) 180-pound My guard started him against Purdue, who was top five in the country. Uh, just kind of like middle finger to everyone. Like he was just doing stuff like that, and so I was just like, you know what, this isn't this isn't how I envision stuff going. So Yeah. I mean,
0: so then you transitioned then to Winona.
1: Yeah, that was the biggest mistake I've made in my basketball career.
0: It was Winona going there? Yeah. And well, I know for a minute we actually were begging you to come to UST. Yeah. And uh, we thought we had you one night. You were
1: like, maybe I will come here and get a national championship. Yeah. Well, I, and then the next day you woke up and were like, ah, nah. nah. So I went to Winona, and that was another. That was culture shock. Like you talk about overseas stuff, that was culture shock to me. You go from the Big Ten, where you're, when you travel, you're flying private, mm-hmm. you're eating at steakhouses, and all the different places you go, all the stuff. To I get there, and like their locker room was like moldy, <laughs> and I was just like, uh, it was not. It was not cool. The The assistant coach there treated me horribly after I came. Like, begged me to come, begged me to come. At first, when they when I was transferring, you get your release. How transferring works is you get your release, and then it's like you're getting recruited all over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He called me. He was one of the first people that called me. And I was like, who? And he was like, Winona State. And I was like, division what? And I was like, no. 100. Yeah. Like, I was like, don't call me again. Yeah. Um, but as the process went on, I was like, you know what? Like, it hit me, like, okay, if you go to another Division One school, you got to sit out mm-hmm. a year. I just sat, I sat half a year, and then sat essentially half a year. Yeah. So I'd only played, like, I only played, like, 24 games or something at Iowa. Yeah. In two years. So I'm like, now I got to go sit another year? Like, I was like, or if I go D2, I can play right away. And I was like, oh, I'll just go to the best Division Two school in the country. Which was Venona. At the time. And so I was like, okay, well, let's do that. And so I get there and the same dude, he treated me so poorly cause he could like, he knew I didn't want to be there. And he's like one of those dudes that's like all time leading, I don't know if he's all time leading score, but like has records there and stuff and, like yeah. has, like this warrior pride thing and I was just like, I'm the division one kid that's transferring and that doesn't want to be there. So he treated mm-hmm. me terribly. And so I, it was, it was a terrible experience like I was coming home every weekend. Um, yeah. Before the season and after the season, like I didn't want to be there at all. I was leaving Thursdays, coming back Mondays, like missing class cuz I was like I don't I don't like it here. Yeah. Um and it's just it's a tough transition to go from tough transition going like Big 10 to mid-major. So I went Big 10 to Division 2 like NSIC school which I mean there's some Division 2s throughout the country that have nice facilities, have money for the programs and stuff, but Year. like it was such a huge jump for me that I was like that was culture shock walking in the locker room that first day and I was like it's moldy in here and like like the carpet looks gross and what do you mean like we don't have practice gear <laughs> like, I was just I don't know but it was it was terrible it was a terrible year I uh, didn't have a good experience coaching staff um, coach leaf who passed away last year or something R.I.P. Yeah, everyone knows what happened with him, with his whatever sexual assault of yeah. or whatever yeah Damn. like it was it was such a bad bad yeah. spot that I don't even talk about it. Like when people ask where I went to college, I don't even say that. Like I don't bring it up unless they're like, "Oh, you went to Winona, didn't you?" I'm like, well, yeah, kinda." Like, yeah, I was, I was there a little bit. Right, <laughs> like, physically. Then you dipped out and went to uh, Moorhead. Yep. Yeah. And so that was that was interesting because. Coach Walthall, uh, the head coach there, was an assistant at Iowa, and he's one of the coaches that recruited me at Iowa. He, he actually, knows you. Yeah, and he actually got the head coaching job at Moorhead like two weeks after I signed to go to Winona. So had the timing been different, I probably would have went there right away, um, which would have been better. I could have played two years there instead of one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up going there. I did end up redshirting again. Yeah, so um, you had to sit. That was the other part I was going to talk to yeah, you about. I needed that, though. Um, Mentally, I needed it. Physically, I needed it. Um, I just, I'd gotten way out of shape at Winona. Like, because I, once the basketball season ended, I was just like, I was questioning if I wanted to play anymore. Um, I wasn't working out because I was, I wasn't going back. Yeah. And so I was just kind of like, you know, I was hooping, like playing pickup games randomly and stuff, but I wasn't like working out every day. Yeah. And stuff. So going to Moorhead was great because I got to redshirt. I got to kind of refocus my energy on getting back in shape. Um, kind of got to, I like wasted a year at Winona too academically because I switched to some random major like wreck and tourism or something. Like, <laughs> which I think like that path leads you to being like a park ranger or something. I don't even know. What, <laughs> I, don't know I don't know what I was doing. Like I, so like credits wise, like I had all these credits that didn't count towards anything. So yeah I got to like I just got to go figure stuff out like that year kind of changed stuff for me. that red shirt year at Moorhead um, just being able to work out and then figure out like all right, I need to figure out my degree so I'm not in college for eight years and then you find love
0: again for the game,
1: yeah, and you know it to me it was never about that like me deciding I didn't want to play. I just was so tired of dealing with the other stuff I like, had been yeah. suspended, I'd jumped through all these hoops to play and then you get there, and then like the Winona team, we had so much. We were preseason number three or number two in the country. Um, we had a couple D one transfers. We had a bunch of guys that could have played Division one, but went to Winona instead for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had a really really good team, and like a team that people were looking at us like they're not going to lose a game, mm-hmm. and we were like two games above five hundred. Like just couldn't figure it out. Um, so, like, and that was a really stressful year because yeah. everyone was blaming me. Like, oh, he ruined the team chemistry, and he did. And I was just, like, I was just so tired of the other stuff. that I was, like, I don't want to do this anymore. If this is what college basketball is and mm-hmm. this is, like, the next level of basketball, like, I was, like, I don't want to do this. Do, this. do you think that
2: almost in a way inadvertently because you didn't want to be there and, like, going home every weekend and a big part of being, like, a team sport is the, you know, hanging out outside of – season do you think if you would have stayed and not went home like not necessarily that all of a sudden you guys would have went undefeated won national championships but that it would have maybe helped gel a little bit more with the team or
1: um so I didn't have personal like there was no locker room issues with me and the team like I was CJ Erickson my teammate from high school had Mm -hmm. transferred from Evansville after his freshman year to Winona um so I was you know he lived with four other players I lived like in the they had like they had built these brand new like dorms um that were like apartments but they called them dorms I don't know why I lived with three players okay. on the team and then um CJ lived with like four guys in a house and so like we were we would always go over there and then the other guys would come over and so like the team was pretty united like it was okay. actually it was a pretty close-knit group we just couldn't figure it out on the court and I think part of it was the coaching was so bad like no, I was yeah. gonna ask that the, the coach I mean uh, I don't think anyone would, would argue with me that the coaching staff there was not doing what they were supposed to. So, um, just on the court, couldn't figure it out, and like we had so much talent. Like that's one of the most talented teams I've been on. Not like, not in ter- I, in terms of the level that it was at. Like we had mm-hmm. our starting point guard was a had been a receiver at uh, University of Minnesota. And but had been like an all-state basketball player and decided like I'd rather play basketball than football. So he Mm -hmm. transferred, was all-conference like four years in a row. Had been on the national championship teams. um, So like and he was like a fifth-year senior. So he was really good. I think he ended up winning. He might have been player of the year in the conference or he was all-conference first team for sure. Um, We had a center that was a Division One transfer from Iowa State. Uh, We had me. CJ was a Division One transfer. Joel Armstrong, who was also on my AAU team, was a Division One, had Division One offers, but decided to go to Winona. Mm-hmm. Like we had a really good group, yeah. And it was just like there's so much talent, and just was, can figure out how to play like it, a yeah, team. Do it. So like that was just like that part. Like getting blamed for that was like, it's, like you guys were bad last year. Like this isn't. It's not like you guys won last year, and all of a sudden I came. And now we're not winning, right? You know? So. There's just a lot to throw on, like, the compounding from 18
0: to 19 to 20. Yeah. You're just getting slapped with so much stuff. Right. That's out of your control that the media is generating. Mm-hmm. Right. Ah, man, I can't even imagine. Honest to God, I can't even imagine. And, it, it you know, it's, it's super cool to see you not, not even succeed but killing it. Like, just to see you go from, you know, figuring out Moorhead, mm-hmm. you know, kind of getting you back to where you were, but then ended up in Finland was where you started, right? Right then you went to the Czech Republic, Belgium, Hungary, Turkey, mm-hmm. now at Asia, yep. even though the corona, you you, ba- you bumped out right now. But but I mean, when you got to Asia, I mean, you're killing it. You were the world world import MVP. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you didn't just, you're not just doing it. You're really doing it at a high level. Yep. You know what I mean? So I I, I don't want to, I mean, I want to get into when you started out at Finland so we can hear kind of what it was like when you were starting out in these new countries, when you were you know, scared to get there and what that was like because that's another transition from you, but or for you, but to see you get away from that, you know, negativity that the media was surrounding you with. Yeah. And then, you know, to see where you're at and, you know, really ending on a high note, um, which is just awesome to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, the transition was crazy from, I had a really good senior year at Moorhead, like.
0: Yeah, averaging like 20. Yeah. Something.
1: I mean, on the court, but just like, everything was good. It was like the first year I had where like, or like life clicked in yeah. with what was going on on the first basketball court The season start to finish and who knows how long we're like nothing happened everything was good um our team was okay like we weren't great like i think we we lost in the first round of the conference tournament or whatever like but it was just like it was a good year like we fun. achieved what we were supposed to with that team like we didn't underachieve we didn't overachieve but we like Um, And so going from that to being like, all right, now it's time to transition into being a professional basketball player. And then not knowing what that meant. Like I didn't know how to, I didn't know what agency to sign with. I didn't know like, I didn't know how much money I should be making. Like I didn't know like what a starting point was for Mm -hmm. overseas. I didn't know if I should go try to play in the D-League or try to, you know, like what, what do I do now? And so signing an agent was an eye-opening process. Like you know, some guys talk about like, oh, agents lie to you and do this and stuff. Like the hardest part was to even getting anyone to like take a look at you. Uh, coming from the Division Two level, like that's there's so many players that play Division One that want to play professionally. So you got all those guys, and then they look at Division Two as like, okay, there's another wave of guys, and then there's Division Three, it's another wave of guys. So getting like signing with an agency, getting the, you know, starting to field contract offers from different countries and not really knowing like is this a good place to start, um, is this enough money. That part was, I don't know, it was it was tough because I didn't really have anybody to help me with it. Yeah. Um, which is why now I, I mean I'm in an open like open book with guys. Guys call me, text me, meet up with me to about it when they're going through that same spot because i know how hard it was for me in not knowing like not knowing what to do so getting that finland offer and deciding that was the right spot and going there and stuff was like a whole new chapter how scary was it i was terrified like like i was telling you on the plane like i was sitting there like i'm moving to another country and i'd been to europe before like uh, we went to Greece and Rome um, when I was at Iowa for like a two week trip or whatever, but that's like you're sheltered. You're yeah. Care of. This was like, oh, you're just on your own. And so I was, I didn't know what to expect. Like, I was terrified. Um, but I got there and, you know, got settled after a couple weeks and started playing and realized that like basketball was easier than what I, it was easier than college. Oh, yeah. So, um, transitioning from like that thought process of like oh am I good enough to be a pro to okay now what do they need me to do because when you go over there you're not you're not going over there to fit in yeah they're paying you to come there and change their team otherwise they just sign a bunch of local guys like yep. they they'd mm-hmm. sign all Finnish dudes but they bring Americans over to give them that the edge, edge. So. so what's that reception
2: like when is it would they come in looking at you like you're the savior you're going to be the next great thing like or was it just you're just another one of the guys to like the, as far as like the uh, the fans were concerned? So
1: it's really weird when you first get there, especially as a rookie and especially as someone that's coming from a division. They, like you said, they don't know you. Like yeah. Coming from a Division Two school, they're looking at you like, oh, you're just replacing the guy we had last year. Yeah. Which you might be replacing the guy that they've had for five years that they love who retires or who gets a better offer and goes somewhere else. So you can walk into a situation where they're looking at it like, oh, I guess we got this guy now. Versus, yeah. you're not showing up, like, they're not, depending on what situation you're going into. Like, for me now, in year seven, when I left Thailand and when I went to this team in Taiwan, I did get that reception of, like, oh, my God, we have the MVP coming. Like, that kind of, so it's it's very different. Like, it just depends on the situation yeah. and stuff. And for you, that,
2: that's a complete 180 from going from where people in Iowa are looking at you, like, right. or in Winona looking, like, almost down on you, like, right. you're messing this up to them, like, Oh, hell yeah, we got Anthony Tucker right. coming in.
1: Right. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, like you said, it's like a 180. Like, it's kind of, stuff has has changed and, and stuff, but I think I'm more appreciative of it now um, because I've been on both sides of it mm. than I would be, even if, like, if the, if the college experience had been great, I don't know if I'd be where I'm at because I'd, wouldn't have had like that like had like the hunger or like the resiliency the, to, yeah, yeah. To, to push through and to make sure that I am like maximizing the opportunities I get yeah um, which like I didn't do that when I first got to Finland like I was there trying to fit in like I was there trying to like not mess up and I played for a coach who um, was really tough on me and just me like not the other Americans mm-hmm. and stuff and mm-hmm. I was just kind of like it was another one of those situations where you're like like I don't have a relationship with this guy off the court I, the only I know him as the coach that yells at me all the time like all the time like that's all he does is yell at me never tells me good job I could literally he could yell at me for something I do what he asked and do it better and he'll find something else to yell at me for so I'm like that year it was another year of me just like trying to fit in and stuff and then unfortunately I got hurt um early in the season ended up coming home and missed the rest of the season. And so it was another year of like, I just finished the season. I'm like, okay, everything's good. Like, I'm back on track. And then I played five games or something. Like, I was there all preseason. Probably played 20 preseason games and then play five games that count in the league, get hurt, come home. And I'm looking at it again like, oh, basketball career is over. Like, so that first year in Finland was, you know, another one of the years. I'm like, did it even happen? Like, does it count? <laughs>
0: and then you ended up transitioning to the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. What was that like?
1: It was another year like the Moorhead year. Like, I got there, um, I played, played the whole season, played well. Uh, we had the best season in club history. We made it to the finals for the first time in club history. Like, it was like it was just a really good year. Um, where I was literally there the first day of training camp, and. Yeah. We lost in the finals, but we lost to a team that's won it at this point they've won it close to thirty years in a row. Holy so sh Nike. Making it to the finals in Czech Republic is if you don't play for Nimberg, is winning. Like we literally celebrated like we won the championship. <laughs> we, had a, we had a party after we won the semifinals.
2: Yeah, that's a big deal.
1: Yeah. So for them, you know, we couldn't have had a better year. And so that that was another year where I was like, Okay, like this is we so can on. move forward, like I And especially overseas, like, it's all about moving up. Like, Especially when you start at lower-level leagues. It's all about your performance. It's all about winning. Like, if you win and play well, like, your next year, you're going to be, like, you're going to get more money. You're going to go to a better league, better country, all that stuff. So I felt good again. Like, I was like, okay.
0: Do you feel like you had to, you know, focus more on your individual performance versus your team?
1: It's a weird dynamic, huh? Dynamic because you have to you have to play well and you have to win but if you're not going to win you have to play really well but also if you play really well you should be winning mm-hmm. so it's like this weird i don't know like it's this weird thing where like you you're so concerned about yourself but you're trying not to be selfish cuz you don't want to hinder the team like i'm not trying to I'm not going to come like pull up from 3 30 times in a row just to try to score 40 points yeah if it's going to mean that we're going to lose by 20. But also, if you have a 10-point game and your team wins, a lot of GMs over there and stuff will be like, why do we have this guy? He's only scoring 10 points a game. And you're like, what? We're winning. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's very weird. It's a weird, weird situation to be in all the time. Well, you're
0: doing more than that. I mean, you're almost averaging a triple-double.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, that's like in those situations, it's like you're playing really well. Yeah. What we're like... I mean I've been in situations where other teams have come and tried to buy me out of my contract in, in the middle of the season in, <laughs> in better leagues offering me way more money and stuff like that. so like if you're playing really well, that can happen too, even mm-hmm. if you are losing like if another team sees you like and they're willing to pay to buy you out like, then stuff like that happens. but for the most part like you' you're trying to win, but you're also like you can't win and be average, yeah, so, and they're just going to look at it and be like, oh, well, we're going to take this guy from i've seen situations where guys have been on like the first place team and average fourteen or fifteen and a guy on the eighth place team averaging twenty gets a better job than that guy. That's crazy. And you're like yeah, it's cutthroat. Yeah, and you're like, Well I was trying to you know, I was making sure we won. I still averaged fourteen or fifteen. They're like, Yeah, but he averaged twenty. you're like, Yeah, but we won fifteen <laughs> more games than them. And they're like, Yeah, but he averaged twenty. And so like that happens a lot too. So you have to do Yeah show well. up. Yeah. Yeah. You have to you you have to put the numbers up, but you also have to make sure that you're on a successful team. I won't necessarily say you got to like you don't have to finish in first because only three Americans are going to finish in first or five, yeah. Or whatever. So
2: when you say a team try to buy out of your contract, what are kind of not necessarily your contract in particular, but what's the range of contracts? Like, is it people making a million dollars overseas?
1: Is it, what's like kind of the price range? Yeah, I mean, you can be in China making three four million dollars a year for five months or you can be in you can be in Finland you can be in Sweden you can be in some of these other countries you can be making 500 euros a month so the range is Damn. incredible like it's it's really it's really really crazy like I, you can be playing in you can be playing in Spain um, Spain or the UK or somewhere and you might not be getting paid, but they might pay for your pay for you to finish school at like a university out there or something. Wow. So you might be technically coming out of pocket, like for your living expenses. Right. So there's just different there's so many different levels. Um It's hard to keep up with too. Yeah, it's hard to even put it in like tiers. Like when people are like, Oh, what's the best league? Be like to be like oh, there's a top tier. Because it's different. Like you can mm. be playing You can be playing Euro League, which I would say Euro League is probably the next step under the NBA. Um, You can be playing Euro League and making two hundred thousand, but there's guys in Asia, like where I'm playing, that are making five hundred thousand and they're averaging sixty points a game, fifty points a game. And so, the guys in Euro League are looking at like they're not even playing real basketball. Like, how's he doing that and making? So it's it's this weird. It all just kind of
2: depends on where, like, yeah, where like the culturally how where they value basketball and things like that. The economy,
1: Um, a big thing with Europe is they rely on sponsors. Um, Teams rely on sponsors. Mm -hmm. Like that was that was one of the craziest things to me is like team owners. Like you, you think of team owners. You think of, Ballmer. You think of Mark Cuban. You think of like these um, billionaires. Billionaires like these larger than life figures and you get over there and it's like this regular guy <laughs> not even I would, not even like a, a hundred thousand there. he's just he's the owner of the team but he's got everybody else fronting the bill yeah he's got uh, like our owner in Belgium like was the most regular dude I've ever encountered that is in a position of power but we had like Mazda we had like these big corporations sponsoring us they're the ones like putting the money up they're paying right. your salary he just got your, them on board yeah so it's I want to like, be that guy. <laughs> I don't because the sponsor leaves. <laughs> right, goodbye. And we're what? looking at you like, where's my money at? <laughs> he doesn't have it. So, yeah. like, that's why, it's like, teams fold. Leagues are so, like, up and down. Like, Greece used to be, like, one of the most elite leagues. And, like, guys were making tons of money. The economy is so bad and stuff. And, like, they were signing guys to $200,000 contracts. Guys were getting, like, 20000 and being like they're like oh, sorry we don't have it and how do you even go after somebody for that you gotta take them to court go to FIBA court which costs you money and <laughs> hope that you win and get your money back but have a lot of your friends not been paid then uh there's some of them I mean some of them have gone through the process and it's it's messy like it's it's the same as going to court here like yeah you, you, gotta, you gotta make a, a case and you gotta tell them why they owe you money and they can come back and be like, no, nah, they don't owe you. And like, you just, Look and at my bank account. This is <laughs> empty. And y'all <laughs> said you were going to fill it. <laughs> and you can show them the contract and be like, show them your, your bank account and be like, right. uh, this says this. And this is what happened. And they can be like, well, you know, legally, blah, blah, blah.
3: And, mm-hmm.
1: and, then,
2: and then in those cases, too, if it's like they're just going to try and drag it out. So it's going to cost you
0: more right. than what it is. To or and essentially, once you just get like a judgment, that. and if it's a judgment... How are you gonna force them to collect or pay up,
1: anyways? You know, a judgment's a piece of paper, right? Because all the all like FIBA can do, which is like the governing body of um, European basketball, is like put in sanctions or be like, oh, you, well, they can't sign new players or they can't they can't participate in in this, this league next year. Oh, okay, And the team can just be like, all right, bet and just fold. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and then essentially it's the same as, as like claiming bankruptcy over here wipes out their debts, they just fold the team. And they might open up, like that owner might fold. He might start a new team the next year. Mm -hmm. So that process is, it's something that I'm glad that I don't have to deal with. Like China, Asia in general, like those owners are rich. Like those guys have money, the owners pay. Uh, We don't deal with like sponsors, like, like team to team basis. We don't deal with sponsors as much as Europe. We have some, but not. Not like that, not like where if an, if a sponsor pulls out, yeah, like the team's done, yeah, and sponsors pull out, like sponsors will be like, oh you guys are you guys are nine and thirteen, like, that's not what we signed up for, yeah, and pull their money out at any point, or just be like, well, next month we're not writing you a check for a million euros or whatever, yeah, like, <sighs> so. so what made you get that jump because you you then bounced
0: around from Belgium, you said to Hungary, Turkey, and now to Asia. Did you just keep climbing, like you were
1: saying. Yeah, and and then that, finally found the home in the A- ABL. Yeah, that market, like the Asian market, is great because it's more money for less time. Like the season's only five, six months, and typically in most situations, you're making more money than yeah. they are in Europe. So it's more money for less work, and the style of play is more fun. I mean, it's more desirable. I think especially it's more similar to America. I would say it's more similar to like the NBA. Europe is more like I always liken it to like soccer. Like they like their basketball to be like soccer. Like they like multiple passes and everyone touches the ball and stuff, which is just like, like well, I'm not going to pass this guy because he's not good. <laughs> <laughs> like why, why do I have to let him touch the ball if he's bad? Yeah. But your teammates are like that too. Like they're like, I just want to like like, oh, you need to pass me the ball. No, I don't. I don't need to do that. (laughs) So, I don't know. Everyone's opinion's different, too. Like, I mean, I know plenty of guys are playing in Europe and are fine with it and stuff, but I know a lot of those guys would love to get into the Asian market. So, um, it's just, it's a better situation for me. I like it better. Um, It's worked out well for me. And so, I don't foresee myself going back to Europe. Yeah, I just I don't see a like a scenario where I'd be like, oh yeah, Europe's a better fit.
0: I mean, you you have found a home though, like you said. Now you get that reception when you go places, and they know who you are. Right. I feel like that's got to be just from all the things that you've been through to then have that kind of to love, and I feel like that's what you've been looking for for a long time now. Yeah,
1: and it's got to be comforting. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's it's something that it makes it feel like it was all worth it sometimes. Um, Cause the, the story, like my basketball story is not, I don't think anyone would trade with me. You know, I don't think people would be like, yeah, I want to go through all that to get to that.
0: So it- I don't believe that, man. I'll, I'll trade you right now. I'd love to be a hooper like you. I think there's a lot of people that would say that, man, you get play,
1: paid to hoop. I, just, I don't think a lot of people would have kept playing. Like I don't think a lot yeah. of peop- I think a yeah. lot of people would be like I'm not oh, doing. There's this. a lot of people that would have
2: just called the quiz after Iowa. Yeah.
1: So I, I I don't I don't think a lot of people would trade because it, it was a lot of like like running through mud to to get to this. But um, I just think that now I'm at a point where I have matured a lot. Like I personally I can say that I've matured a lot, and especially in like the last like three or four years, um, where now I can appreciate where I'm at. And I know what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say, and that's helped me, like, maintain where I'm at. Also, like, I mean, I, I want to go on social media and, and write stuff about the coronavirus and why are we still the only league playing and stuff, and mm-hmm. make sure that the the right people see it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I also know that like, you know, I'm, the commissioner of the league is going to get mad. And they're writing you checks and taking care of you yeah, at the same he time. Could find, he could find me whatever he wants. Like he could he could ban me from the league. I mean, there's no we don't have a governing body. Like we are FIBA sanctioned, but like FIBA doesn't control the ABL. So yeah. He could ban me from the league. If I said something that like he thought was detrimental to the league, he could mm-hmm. be like you can't come back. So, um, you know, we have talked about it as players and been like, We need to, you know, make a united front, but then everyone was kinda like, Yeah, but
0: I don't want to lose these checks. Yeah, but
1: you know, I'm still trying to get paid. So.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Do you feel, I mean, have you had thoughts back about coming back here trying to get into, like, the G League now or or, or stuff like that, especially now with corona? Is that something that's kind of popped in your mind?
1: No, not at all. Like, it, to me, like, I mean, people say it all the time, obviously. And people are like, oh, you should, like, just take one shot at the NBA. Like, I'm like, for what? Like, what am I – you guys saw what happened with the, the Andre Ingram dude a couple of years ago with the Lakers. He's 32, and they came back, and they treated him like he was a 75-year-old man that like, finally got his college mm-hmm. degree. Like, I was like, this dude is 32. Like, he also had white hair,
0: bro. I mean the grandpa thing came at him like yeah, bro right. that 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 that's saying, a little like, different since he was
1: 32 he'd been yeah. playing at a high level in the G League for years for like yeah. 5 yeah. years and like, yeah and then at while. that
2: point too it's like it feels more of like a charity thing exactly.
1: than an actual I yeah, cuz they Ron signed him on. to a 2 year deal after that and nobody's heard about like no. heard of him or from him since like he's
2: definitely not on that roster right no. now <laughs> that's what i'm saying that's Ron, that's what Ron got, got boogie there, out the of first there. thing he did was say
1: uh gone yeah so i'm like for what you know what i mean like it's not going to be i'm not going to have like a and this is not a, a a reference or in any type of like pun or anything to taiwan but i'm i'm not going to have a jeremy lin story where i come in and take the nba by storm and all of a sudden yeah it's like come on it's Yeah, so but i mean dude there's not many people
0: in the world in the world who can shoot like you shoot i mean you see people like jj redick have a career of doing just that I feel like you could easily come in. It's not like you're a short guy, man. No. And I feel like you could easily go out there and, especially in today's game. But do you think you have a jump shot like JJ Reddick? Oh God, I do. I mean, JJ. I,
1: like if we put, I'm telling you, this man's you guys, got a. He's if, a sniper, bro. Yeah, but bro. JJ
2: Reddick—that's another like all-time. That's another great, great shooter.
1: No, and he's—he's
0: like, he's a good shooter, yes. But he's—I mean, come on, man. I, I'm telling you, this like saying that. like
2: okay. Oh, Clay Thompson's great. Like, you can shoot like Clay. Like, you know what I mean? He like did get Clay buckets.
0: No, yeah. I,
1: I don't think like like people also forget to like. JJ Redick was is the all-time leading Dude. scorer in the ACC. Yeah, and stuff like there's stuff like that where I mean could I could I come in and shoot better than I think you could be a forty percent three-point shooter no problem in the NBA. Yeah, but so could a lot of guys. Like you could literally make that case for. There's probably yeah. there's probably somewhere around a hundred guys that are playing overseas right now that you that could come in and do something better than someone in the NBA is doing, like it's the NBA is opportunity, circumstance, mm-hmm. and ability, so you have to have all three of those. Perfect example of this is Tyus Jones. Mm-hmm. Tyus came into his, his freshman year at Duke, and I don't think I don't think he was. A first-round pick on any mock draft until the tournament no but it's yeah i mean he killed it in the tournament. it he was had the best tournament you could possibly have yep he made big shots all season mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's a, a first-round pick Right, and then plus that just the duke pedigree right oh if you're good enough to
2: get into duke right we're gonna take a flyer on you before we take a flyer on somebody else that might be better that's at a right. different school
1: when he was with the wolves all you ever hear people talk about is Man, if Tyus is in the league, then so-and-so should be in the league, or so-and-so is better than Tyus. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. But opportunity, circumstance, ability. You check all three of those boxes. You're in the NBA. You're there for a reason. Yep. You're there because you did what you were supposed to when you were supposed to. And because you can play. Like, there's so many analytics and and stuff right now where like you're not, if you're in the NBA, you're there for a reason. Like they got you. For a reason, they're signing you two contracts for a reason and stuff. And, like, for me, like with with Tyus, it's always been an argument where it's like, I'm like, what are you basing that off of? Like, what are you basing that someone is better than him off of? Because he's been phenomenal at every single level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was the number one player in the country in high school at one point, Mm -hmm. went to Duke, was the best point guard in the ACC, ended up being the most outstanding player in the tournament came to the league was a great backup in a organization that has struggled for yeah. a long time, maximized that and got signed to a big contract. I'm glad he got paid. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like I'm like based on what? Like what what can this guy do better than him or like if you put him in the same situations, what's saying that he's going to do the exact same thing. So like right. those arguments are like you know, I think you could do it. Like could I go stand in the corner and shoot threes on an NBA team? Yeah. Yeah am I going to do that? No. So <laughs> like I'm, I'm good where I'm at. Um, I think, I think it's the best spot for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thankful for where I'm at first and foremost. Like that's another thing is like, if you're constantly aspiring to do something greater than where you're at, you're never going to appreciate it. And I understand like having goals and trying to, and setting goals that you can attain and stuff. But at the same time, like you have to sometimes take a step back and be like, look where I'm at. And be look realistic. What it, yeah, uh, look what it took to get me here and now I'm you know, now I'm thinking like, oh I got here, but I wanna turn around and I don't wanna go play in the G League. I'm thirty. Like what am I gonna do in the yeah, G League? Be the oldest yeah. dude there. Like <laughs> No. I don't I don't wanna do that. So um no, to answer your question, like no, I've that's not, not it hasn't been a thing. The only the only way I would have done that was like was coming back from this and just being like, There's a month left of the season, like every other league is is canceled yeah. or postponed or whatever, yeah. But I'm not gonna. You're not gonna see me like in in training camp for the G League next year. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not going through. I'm not gonna put myself through that. I'm not gonna put myself through the. the yeah, we got this 31 year old dude on the <laughs> roster. Like, I don't know what he's trying to do. But the average age on the team is is 22, and we got a 31 year old who's the same age as the coach. <laughs>
3: I, do,
0: that I do think you're selling yourself short With that statement Man I know I, I get where you're saying You appreciate where you're at And stuff like that But it wouldn't be like Oh this 31 year old On the team
2: That's exactly how it would be that No one would, be be would, would not Exactly how it would be would Maybe, be. The, Maybe the media Yeah, yeah. Nickname would be
0: But everybody on, in on, there Would team. be like Bro this guy can hoop And that's the way it would It'd be It'd be the equivalent of like A 25,
2: 26 year old Going back to college To like yeah. Live out the glory days Or something exactly. like that
0: yeah. Man, i i don't, don't compare this man, you know. man to Chris Winky. That's not true.
1: Chris Winky got to the league. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I when I was in China last summer and I had I had like a, I had a 65 point triple double. And yeah. everyone made a huge a deal about 65 it.
2: 65 point triple double?
1: Yeah. yeah. Jesus. <laughs> everyone, everyone made a huge deal about it and everyone was like like on social media, like sending stuff to NBA teams and stuff. And I was just like, I was like Please don't do that because, let, like, let's just say hypothetically, like, uh, the last place team in the NBA is like, well, you know, whatever. And, like, let's say that happened. Why would you think that I would want to go there and be, like, this story of, mm-hmm. like, Hey, we went and got this 29-year-old to be a rookie and then be like I don't want that story. Right. Like, I I don't want that. They're <laughs> so, making that 30 for 30 about me. No, I don't want that. Cuz then and then I feel like no dream. matter what you're going to be a story no matter what you do in anything. So I'm happy with it being the story that it is right now. And the story being like this guy like his college career was not great. He his pro career was you know I had to wind in a steady stuff. incline the whole way. Yeah, and I'm I'm happy with it. You know, when it ends, I'm happy with it being like, you know, he went from this to this and right. And it's it's almost in a way it's better to retire as like the man right.
2: overseas like a Stephon Marbury right. rather than coming back and like oh he tried to come back and failed or didn't make exactly. it to the pinnacle in the NBA. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I you know I just I'm not I'm happy with where I'm at and I don't think a lot of people can say that. Like I think a lot of people yeah. are always going to be like oh, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to make it to this or I wanted to make it to that. The NBA dream left me, when I left Iowa, like I really was like, you know, I was like, no, you know, that's not that's not where my career path is gonna go. And that's not to say that like, I'm not sitting here being like, I would never play in the NBA. Like if the opportunity was there, I would take it. Like I'm not gonna, I would be the 30 year old guy if, if a team came and knocked on the door right now and we're like, here's a contract, I'm not going to not sign it and be like, nope. Hey, me and right. Glenn are pretty tight. You want me to talk to them? Or? No, because that's... <laughs> I'm, like, just like, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, that's... Like, I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, I'm happy where I'm at. Like, I'm not going to take more. But I'm also... I appreciate what it took to get to where I'm oh, at. I know what you're saying. So I'm I'm happy with with, where it's at and I'm happy with where it's still going. I mean...
0: Man, I'm I'm proud of you. Appreciate yeah, I appreciate li- it. I like saying that you know it's just really really cool to see you keep grinding man if i'm glad you didn't let that those hiccups get to you because it it wouldn't be as fun right now
1: you know what i mean they they got to me (laughs) they got to me but no i mean just you know being able to keep going and you know you hear all the time people tell tell their story everyone's got a different story and everyone's everyone's been through adversity and it takes a lot for everyone to get where they're at, if they're in a position of success or what other people would deem successful. Um, but it is like a living testament of like, if you do keep pushing through, like good things are eventually gonna come. And if you, especially if you do the right stuff, because I know what happens when you do the wrong stuff. Like some people do the wrong stuff, get away with it, but yeah. eventually it'll catch up to you. For me, I, I didn't even have to like, I didn't have to go far for it to catch up like to me, so. Yeah once I started doing the right stuff, um, taking care of myself, taking care of what I needed to be taken care of and stuff, like good things started happening. So that's what I, you know, that's what I tell people now is make sure you're doing the right stuff. Make sure you're, um, you know, doing the stuff that's going to put you in a position to be successful. Cause you know, what's right and what's wrong. Like, you know, mm-hmm. as a college student, you know, like, yeah. you know, if you have class on Friday and you go out on a Thursday, there's a good chance you're not going to make it on Friday. But you know, if you stay in and, and make it to class on Friday that you know right you know some that like you're not going to miss a quiz or something that you didn't know about, and then so it's just like stuff like that where' like doing the right thing and which is hard, obviously, yeah, but doing the right thing typically works out for you better than you know, the alternative
0: hey, man, I want to say this before we wrap it all up though every good story needs adversity, otherwise that story would be boring, man, and I think you have a really cool story, and I like hearing it, and I love that you're spreading it with everybody else. And we really appreciate you coming out, man. Yeah, We'd love to have me. you back whenever you want to come back. Thanks
1: for having me. I'm interested to see what uh what some other guys say oh, on the show. You'll have some fun stuff. We got Trevor coming in on Tuesday. I know. And he, he's got a good story too. So Yeah. So that'll be.
0: Make sure you talk to him and tell him, hey, open up. I will. That'll, you'll get some good stuff from Trevor.
1: He's, he's, a, he's a funny
0: dude. Hey, Tuck, thanks again, man. I appreciate thanks you for
1: having me. Oh, yeah. yeah, thank, thank you. you.